Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cosy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town <laughs> called Bel Air in West Philadelphia, born in raid. The whole thing. Including the second verse. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry Podcast, episode 107. I'm comedian Simon Kane, and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, and today, TV talent contests. Lee Ridley, also known as Lost Voice Guy, is the 2018 winner of Britain's Got Talent. We discussed his choice to do the competition, how it felt to take part, if he felt like the token disabled act on the show given his inability to speak, was he happy with how he was portrayed, how the experience has helped his career and what impact it's had in real terms and whether any other awards had a bigger or more significant impact for him personally. As well as, would he recommend doing Britain's Got Talent to other comedians? I've been contacted by Britain's Got Talent before and I've turned it down and I know a lot of other friends of mine have as well, uh, not just comedians but majority musicians and musicians and all sorts uh, I really enjoyed chatting to him about this and his experiences firsthand as originally we had this booked before he, Britain's Got Talent and we actually pushed it back to the Edinburgh Fringe after the final and when he won so it was all fresh in his mind and it was a really interesting topic for me to hear someone else's perspective on because personally I don't think I would do that well on that show but he did amazingly well and I want to talk to him openly and candidly about quotas and diversity and whether he felt ever like he was filling one of those or checking boxes for them. So I think loads of people are going to get a lot out of this. If you're new here, please do remember to hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do give us an honest, ideally positive review in iTunes. Uh, five stars would be great. And either way, please do consider joining the Facebook group. It's called Ask the Industry Podcast and it's on Facebook, obviously. It's the best place to ask your questions to future guests before I do the recording. Before I hit play on the podcast, I just want to say that I have signed up for the Edinburgh Festival and I am currently previewing a show around the country. I won't go on about where and when that's going to be right now, but if you want to take a look in the show notes and have a look and see where I'm going to be previewing and where I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Festival, uh, that would be great. I really appreciate seeing some of your faces at the shows. It's always lovely to have the audience come down and say, hey, it's me, I'm the person who tweets you, or hi, I'm a regular listener and I love it. So if you could come down to a show, that would be really appreciated, and or the Edinburgh Festival. And if you're not able to come down, if you could just pass on the message to a friend who's in the area 
that would be massively, massively appreciated, and I can't thank you enough for the support. But for now, this is Lost Voice Guy. I think my career before Britain's Got Talent was going pretty well. I have been doing stand-up comedy for just over six years now, and have been full-time for three years. So I was doing well and establishing myself on the circuit. Basically, I was just enjoying myself, and developing as a stand-up comedian. I wasn't really in a rush to get famous or anything. I was just enjoying the ride and seeing where it took me. And I think that experience has helped me as my career has progressed. I think I was right just to get some experience under my belt and work on the circuit for a few years. And I've met lots of amazing people along the way, so that's nice as well. Whose choice was it to do Britain's Got Talent then? It was my choice, but I did ask my agent for advice as well. And we both eventually decided that it was the right thing to do. What factors made it right? Like, what was the catalyst that made Did you come with them to the idea, or did they say we because you're, you're with gag reflex right so they have had other people on it so was it a, a joint conversation should we say yes they suggested the idea and told me just to think about it so i went away and thought about it then we had a chat with the producers to make sure i was happy with how they would portray me on the show and eventually everyone was happy enough and I did my audition. The show is not, like, it's known for pushing a sob story, it's pushing, like, a narrative behind every act. Was that a big concern for you? I was certainly aware that could happen. And that's why it took so long to make the decision to audition for the show. I was wary about being their token disabled act. But, in the end... I don't think this happened to me at all. I think it helped that I built up a good relationship with the producers of the show and had a good dialogue with them throughout the filming process. Because that meant that I could flag up any concerns that I had, and we could talk about them together. Actually, I think the producers were just as wary as the way they portrayed me, as I was. So it made sense to work together closely, so that I was shown in the right way, when it was finally broadcast on television. Were you, were you given any like editorial control over that? Were, were, were they showing you clips beforehand, or um, cueing you, I suppose? How did that work? I'm, I, I want to just say as a preface point, I'm only delving into that because of the way that I think other comedians who have maybe been asked to go on are very aware of that element of it, if you know? Yes, it was a two-way process. For example, they asked me to come up for ideas for when they did the background filming about myself in Newcastle. And I decided to make the film pretty funny. So I pretended to be the satellite navigation system in a taxi and stuff. So I was happy with all the final edits. Was there anything that you put forward that they wouldn't show on TV for any reason? I know, I know Robert White, who was also on it, they sort of edited some of his jokes to be like, maybe don't say that one. 
Yes, there was some stuff that they didn't think was suitable for a family-friendly show. I have a joke about being drunk, and they didn't like that one. But mostly, they were happy with my material. It was common sense, really. I wasn't going to suggest doing my darker stuff on the show. Yeah, it makes sense, because they're, uh, they're prime type. Like, you wouldn't see that on a, like another show at that time, so it kind of makes sense. But I wondered whether, given that editorial control, it would, it would allow you that, uh, I suppose, creativity to, to express yourself. I think I was still allowed to be pretty much myself. It was just watered down a bit in terms of language. But the jokes were still true to my circuit sets. Totally, yeah. I I've seen I saw you in Leicester, and I saw some sim like some of the jokes that had transferred over and stuff. And I was I wanted to see some of the darker ones, if I'm honest with you. But personal sense of humour, you know. So um, let's talk about really quickly the the career before that. Then, so you're going around the circuit. Um, you're you're opening and middling, I assume, and maybe even headlining the odd place. And you're you're are you making a living at this point have you still have you got like a side job what's what's it look this like isn't... i started six years ago and at that time i was still in a full-time job i was in the media team at sunderland city council but i being a full-time comic for about three years now i think winning the bbc new comedy award was my turning point because it made me realize that maybe I could make a living out of this. I think that was the push that I needed. Was that when you started to get approached by agents? Was that sort of uh, an industry... Was that the time when the industry started taking notice of you? Surprisingly not. I've only ever had one agent, and we just met last August in Edinburgh. Before that... I was booking everything myself. I'm still not exactly sure why it took that long to get noticed, but the comedy industry is strange at the best of times. So you met, so I assume it was Lee at last Edinburgh, and at this point, so that was your fifth, that was your fourth Edinburgh? My fifth. And it was actually Andrew Roach. Gag Reflex only came on board recently because of the amount of inquiries I was getting. It was getting a bit too much for Andrew to handle on his own. Okay, and wh why were you coming to Edinburgh? Like, what did you see? And I suppose in a bigger picture, what was your end game? I know you say that you were just enjoying the ride and stuff, but I feel like everyone's sort of got something in mind for long term. How, what was it and how were you trying to achieve it? I think I was coming to Edinburgh in the hope that I'd get noticed. I know that's the same for everyone. But I also just enjoyed Edinburgh because of the social side of things. It's quite nice to have all your colleagues in the same city for a month. I'm not sure if I had an end game though. I'm not very good at planning these things. I think I just wanted to prove to people that I was a good comedian. I think I think I think a lot of people definitely come to get spotted, but a lot of people think it's going to be a lot easier to be spotted than it actually is. 
um, I had someone come up, it's their first time like visiting, and they were like, there's a lot of us here. <laughs> I was like, what were you expecting in the largest arts festival? So I suppose I know what you mean. And and uh, I suppose you, you have some unique selling points that kind of help you stand out. And before um, we, you were saying not trying to be part of a quota system, did you ever feel like maybe even before Britain's Got Talent, you, you, would, you were ever booked for that reason? I've never felt like that was the case, no. I never felt like the token disabled person on the bill. And I don't think that sort of thing should happen. If you're funny, you should be getting work regardless of your disability, race or anything else. I admit that it is nice to see more disabled people on the circuit and on television. But I think there's enough talented disabled people out there, and we don't need quotas to help us. The general public need to see that we're not all just scroungers and benefits cheats. They need to see that disabled people can contribute an awful lot to society, and they need to see that we have a sense of humor just like anyone else. Programs like The Last Leg on Channel 4 have paved the way, but there's still a lot that could be done. Only when we see disabled people on our stages and on our screens as much as anyone else will attitudes really change. And only then will disabled people feel fully a part of society. Of course, success breeds success as well. It would be nice for every disabled child to realize they have the opportunity to do whatever they like when they grow up. But they'll only believe this if they see other people in a similar situation achieving their goals. The comedy scene as a whole can play a big part in this. There are some amazing disabled comedians working on the circuit. And comedy is the perfect way to tackle difficult subjects in a way that can make people both laugh and think at the same time. Completely agree. Yeah, I I used to date a musician who said they only, that, that when they were growing up they only had male uh, musicians in the household and so they didn't think they could do it. And then they found one female musician and were like, oh, it can be done. So uh, for, for me, I've never had to deal with that because I'm... A, white man who isn't disabled and so I've always seen me in that area which is something that I only just realized how much I've taken for granted because it's it's if you're always in it you always feel you don't even notice that it's not an option for other people if that makes sense um so that's that's a really nice way of looking at it and in there you said um we'll be part of society do you, do you ever do you feel like in other jobs or, or like in other areas you might be not treated as uh, in a meritocracy, should we say? I definitely think that comedy has given me a voice that maybe I didn't have before. In previous jobs, I did feel part of the team, but I also felt quite self-conscious about my disability and how people saw me. But now I'm able to get people to listen to me, and it's given me a lot more confidence as well. It's like people finally want to listen. Oh, that's, that's really sweet. That's really nice. Um, it's also got an element of sadness to it because of the fact that they maybe weren't listening before, but that's, uh, I suppose, an, uh, a hurdle in society that kind of needs to be addressed. So you, you won the BBC Comedy Awards in 2014 
and you said that that sort of got you that was your tipping point as such and the the difference between doing a, a specific comedy award and just a generic talent award and i don't mean that with any disrespect to britain's got talent but it is any talent can come on it kind of thing what what was the experience like you know what what were the juxtapositions between the two of those winning the bbc new comedy award was a massive boost to my career I just entered because I thought it was a good opportunity to help me develop as a comedian. I'm not really a big fan of stand-up comedy competitions, but when you look at the people who have won it in the past, I thought it was worth entering. I especially like the fact that the comedians were judged by other people in the industry, as well as the general public in the final. I think it gives it a nice balance. I definitely never expected to win the whole thing. I just thought I would give it a go and see how far I got. I couldn't really believe it when I won. It was a very special moment. And obviously it led to lots of opportunities. I ended up with my sitcom being commissioned for Radio 4, and that's just got its second series, which is coming out next year. Winning the competition also helped raise my profile quite a bit. I'm very grateful for the help I've received from the BBC since I won. Obviously, it was very different to my experience on Britain's Got Talent. In fact, I don't think you can compare the two, because they're both made for an entirely different audience. Winning Britain's Got Talent was a great achievement and made me very popular very quickly but winning the bbc new comedy award meant just as much to me when you say different audiences britain's got talent obviously has a very heavy social media um conversation points you know what i mean like the the talking points on for britain's got talent are, are much higher on social media what how did you deal with obviously probably getting tagged in a lot more things um Finish the question because I think. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. I think I have something to add anyway. Okay. Um, there's a lot of friends of mine who've done TV spots, like, you know, sort of just 10 minutes of stand-up here and there. And then they'll get loads of people saying nice things, but they'll get loads of people going, this person was shit, don't like them, or can't believe they gave, you know, stage time to this person over this person, or whatever it would be. How was that for you, based on the fact that Britain's Got Talent, first of all, has a much wider audience in terms of demographic, but also a much wider audience in terms of uh, it's designed to be hashtag you know, conversational on Twitter and place like that. My phone got very hot when I won. I was drowning in notifications. And it was like that for at least a week afterwards. It's all a bit overwhelming, to be honest. Most of the comments were lovely. But obviously I think everyone who puts themselves in the public eye gets a bit of hate. For example, Apparently I don't write my own material, and I'm just a disabled puppet on stage, and I'm there to get the sympathy vote. I try to ignore it as much as possible. But sometimes I can't resist taking the piss out of them in my replies so that everyone can see what a dick they are. Yeah, I, I, they always say don't feed the trolls, but I suppose at some point you're going to get the snap, you know? Is that... Is that uh do you think that reflects well on you with the people that like you or do you think they're on your side going yeah give them give them hell because they're being dicks i think sometimes they're on my side and sometimes they think i go too far it just depends on my mood on the particular day i guess makes sense and do, do you think now that you've come through the process that britain's got talent is a good place for comedians to showcase their work I think it's an obvious platform for any comedian to show off their talent. Obviously, it isn't going to work for everyone, and you're going to know if it's right for you or not. But there's certainly no harm in doing it. Especially after the success of people like Tapeface. I just saw it as another platform to show off how funny I could be. Sadly. The opportunities for comedians to get on television don't come around that often. So it made sense to try to reach a big audience by doing Britain's Got Talent. And, and for, in your opinion, what's been the best and worst thing that's come out of the process? I think the best and worst thing are actually the same. The best thing is the love I get off the general public. They've all been very supportive and it really does mean the world to me. I've been blown away by how nice everyone has been. But it also means that it takes me twice as long to get anywhere, because people keep stopping me in the street to congratulate me. I'm enjoying every minute, though. Do you, do you think you're famous? Do you see yourself as famous right now? I guess so. But I'm still very shy, so maybe I don't want to admit it. I'm also aware that maybe it won't last forever, so I'm enjoying it while I can. Do you, do you think you'll always be associated with that competition now? I'm regularly getting called the guy from Britain's Got Talent, so I think that's going to be the case for a while at least. Although some people still insist that I won the X Factor. Do you, do you, well, 
I assume you mind being associated with the wrong competition, but do you, are you just fine with that? Because I assume when it's something like the BBC Comedy Award, it'd be quite nice if every gig you went to, they went, oh, he's the BBC Comedy Award winner. But I suppose, A, is that bringing in people and the, and the people that you want? And B, what's your perception on being being known in that way? I don't mind it, because I think enough people still like my comedy anyway. Obviously not everyone is going to like my more twisted stuff, but it's just a case of having some material for every occasion. I'm a big hit with the kids now, so I'm writing a kids show right now. And it's very scary, but also a nice challenge. I'd like to think I could please most people some of the time. The, the audience that this has brought you, what do they expect from you? Like, are they coming expecting to hear the exact same thing they saw on the TV show, or are they expecting a, a sort of darker sense of humour? And how, and how is that affecting how you're putting together the show? That all depends on where they've seen me. If they've seen my family-friendly stuff on Britain's Got Talent, then they might get a bit of a surprise when they come and see my Edinburgh show. But other people might want to hear my darker material. It's just a case of getting the right balance between the two. Also, I think it's quite nice if they see something that they're not expecting. Maybe it'll make them go away and think about things differently or whatever. I'm a big fan of trying to give the audience something new. Hmm. You mentioned you're writing a kids show. At the moment, you have a, have a, a level of celebrity and a level of like fan base that are really rooting for you. Do you find writing stuff now harder in the sense that it's harder to get constructive feedback because a lot of people are just very positive and, uh, do you know what I mean, like very supportive? I guess so. But that's the same as you try out new stuff at Red Draw at the stand. It's such a lovely audience that they're going to like everything anyway. I just think I'll have to choose which gigs I try new material. Obviously, if you try them at proper comedy clubs, you're still going to get honest feedback. When, when you were getting to the final, um, you were there with another comedian. Obviously, if you were there against, let's say, a musician or a, or a magician or something, there's there's um, sort of a, a less of an apples to apples comparison. Did you feel like it was more uh, rivalry or was it more camaraderie at that point? Or even a playful rivalry? <laughs> All three comedians in the final got on really well, actually. We were always joking with each other and stuff. And I think that made the experience easier to cope with, because I know everyone else had each other's backs. Hmm. In fact, that was the same for all of the performers in the final. If it, it, by that point, I suppose it feels more like teamwork than, than a competition. Even though you will want to win, uh, it, it must be... Um... I don't know, you're going through a very similar experience with, with going viral and getting a lot more attention. So I suppose at least you have someone there to talk to, is that...? Yes, that's very true. It was just nice to have someone there who was in the same boat as myself. 
in terms of being circuit comedians and stuff. It made it much easier than if I was up there on my own. Yeah, completely. And and we're at the fringe right now. And before we started, you said that it's going quite well, selling out a lot of nights, but pretty much every night, I believe. And you said that's weird. Does that mean it compares, uh, like when you compare it to other years you've been up here, it's been, I don't want to say easier, but I assume you're not flyering every day or going out in the rain trying to coast people in. Yes, it's a lot less of a struggle this year. But it's weird because I'm used to worrying about numbers and getting people in and everything else you should be worrying about at the fringe. On the other hand, it also means I can enjoy the experience a lot more this year. It's a nice situation to be in. What new worries do you have then? My main worry this year is that people are going like my darker material because I assume some of them came to me from Britain's Got Talent. But on the whole, it's been fine. Some days have been better than others. But that's just the fringe for you. When you decided to do Britain's Got Talent and Edinburgh, was have you come here with like a finished show or is this prep for the tour? Because I'm assuming your targets have changed now that there's a bigger base of people and a bigger interest in you. This show was almost finished before my first audition. So it's definitely not for the Britain's Got Talent audience. But I'm going on tour next year and that show is going to be more accessible for that sort of audience. It's still going to have an 14 plus age guidance on it though, so I'll still be able to be a bit naughty. When, by the way, I'm going to have to move some of these questions around just in case you're wondering why them jumping back and forth. Um, when you got through your first audition, how much did the, the competition start to take over your life? Did you have to cancel gigs to then do filming segments for them or uh, like work around their schedule? How, how much did that start to take over your life? The social media response started to take over my life because I hate having unread notifications on my phone. But the actual competition wasn't too time-consuming. We had blocked dates out in my diary just in case, so thankfully I didn't have to cancel any gigs. But obviously the days that we filmed were very long and tiring, so that took it out of me a bit. Do they, do they pay you for being part of the process when you get through to... A certain stage or is it still class the competition even though there's a lot of work going into it from your part no we only ever got expenses paid for doing it and i got i might have read a bullshit article but i read online when i was researching for this that simon cow offered you a contract to work with him at the end of is that false i haven't seen it if he did so i think it's false fake news uh, no I was going to ask why you stayed with your agent but if, if it's not true it's not worth asking um, what do you think is the biggest misconception that you might have had or that other acts might have about doing the Britain's Got Talent competition probably that it's not worth doing because comedy isn't like any other variety acts such as magicians and singers 
But I think that the comedians in this year's show help prove that we can bridge the gap between comedy and variety shows. Cool. And if you had one bit of advice for someone considering doing Britain's Got Talent, what would you say to them? I'd just encourage them to give it a try. You don't really have anything to lose. And it can't be any worse than dying on your ass at the frog and bucket on a Saturday night. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I told you my story about that. I'll do it afterwards. But I did not do well at that night. <laughs> um, one last question then, just on the back of that. Don't they record every uh, audition and put them up online? So isn't there the negative impact of if it went really badly everyone could find your video forever and ever i don't think they show every audition that they see i certainly know of some people who did pretty well and they didn't get any airtime. Hmm. it's kind of a relief to hear <laughs> thank you very much for coming on my pleasure that was Lee, hearing how careful the show was to protect his image and his reputation and the way he was portrayed and the way they tried to make him feel really comfortable was, for me, really reassuring to hear and really interesting given that they're always editing for an agenda. We all know that it's edited for an agenda, but I felt like they were much more respectful than I ever thought they would have been and... Uh, the fact that Lee really enjoyed his experience and would recommend it to other comedians I thought was really interesting. I still think that it's not good for everyone, but I feel like his take on it was really interesting and really exciting because obviously it's offered him so much, but also his take on other awards and how those professionally impacted him slightly differently or better in other ways really opened my eyes to different competitions and the reason for doing them. Lee's actually going on a giant national 2019 tour. Unsurprisingly, I'll off the back of his success in this competition they're selling tickets already and they're going quite fast but i put a link in the show notes if you want to go and catch his show that's definitely worth going to see if you enjoyed this episode you might also like my interview with nika burns who was the founder of the edinburgh comedy awards and we talked through the value of her awards and the value of awards in general at the festival and the bubble that we're all in when we're at that festival itself but that's all for me if you're new here please do remember to hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do remember to give us an honest, ideally positive review in iTunes. A five-star would be ideal, but if not, a four-star rating with a five-star written review is just as good. And either way, please do consider giving us a donation to keep this project going. You can do it from one dollar or one pound, depending on where you live. You can do it on simonkane.co.uk via PayPal, or you can do it on Patreon from $1 an episode. That's ATP. Do you think this is worth ATP? Did you get something out of it? Did you feel like it would improve your career and give you something to think about and a way of changing your trajectory or, or even just opening your eyes to something different? If you enjoyed this in any way and you can afford a pound to keep this going, please do consider joining the Patreon. I really want to try and up the donations for those so that this project can keep going and become more sustainable. The Ask the Industry podcast is a Fruit That Got in Gravity's Way production for the internet. All elements were created by me, comedian Simon Kane. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And thank you very much for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about 14 days time. Uh, before you go, before you go, before you go, uh, I just want to quickly say uh, I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Festival. I'm drilling down the details on dates, times and all that sort of stuff. But just so you're aware, uh, I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Festival in 2019. I'm also going to be previewing the show from about April onwards around the country. And then I'm going to be on tour in September and October. Now, 
this is the most vague plug I've done for anything, but essentially I'm going to be updating my website with these details as soon as they are available. Please do keep an eye out for them. I'd really appreciate it as that would really help. The one thing I can confirm is I am doing a one-off potentially DVD record. Again, that is something I'm, I'm dealing with. I'm sorting it out of sex drugs and other things I never do at the Bloomsbury Theatre in London on the 21st of March 2019. If you can come to that, please do. Uh, if you would like to get half off the tickets, tweet me. Tweet, tweet me something like... Tweet, tweet, me, tweet me something mysterious like, my, uh, my favourite macaroon is strawberry flavoured, right? Tweet, tweet me that and I would DM you the discount code so you can get money off your tickets to come and see that show live i'd really love to get some of your listeners in and to watch the show i'm really really excited about it but also really nervous about it as it's quite a big space even though it's uh, the studio space but um yeah i want to get the the thing recorded and out the door so if you can come please do if you can't come please tell a friend and hopefully they'll come thanks for listening bye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.